Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's podcast, we talked about digital PR. We talked a little bit about, you know, what is digital PR and what's the difference between traditional PR. And probably most importantly, we, we had some tactical advice on, you know, how businesses and, and thought leaders in their own industry can start becoming more of a thought leader, building their own personal brand, and why they should leverage digital PR for other ancillary benefits like search engine optimization or driving referral traffic, something along those lines. So I think the podcast was about uh, 30 minutes or so, so hope you guys enjoy. So Taylor, today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, right? This is thought leadership and digital PR. We've covered plenty of topics from Facebook ads to B2B marketing, Mm -hmm. even just overview of digital marketing. So I'm really excited that we're actually getting deeper into certain topics. And this should be a fun one. And a lot of people understand what digital PR is and a lot of people don't get it. You know, they know PR, but what the hell is digital PR? Maybe you can, you know, helping everyone sort of understand our version of what we call digital PR. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a little bit different for everyone. I think of PR and I guess primarily digital PR, any way that you're leveraging your brand or creating brand awareness, branding, and like you said, thought leadership, positioning yourself as an industry expert. And I guess I would add the caveat of without the expectation of an immediate return or return on investment, right? So things like, you know, a, a, even a guest post on someone else's website or uh, an industry leading website or publication uh, would be an example of thought leadership. Obviously, you know, yourself been posted on, you know, Huffington Post and Inc. and Forbes and those types of, of websites. So, yes, you know, you could get some business from that, but that is to position yourself and our agency and our company as a thought leader. And I think that's the way that I, I look at, you know, digital PR, right? Is any way that you can leverage different digital platforms to get yourself in front of your target audience and talk about what you know and, you know, build that authority from that perspective, whether it has, you know, the SEO value or SEO benefit or whether you're getting customers or not, it's a long-term game, right? It's branding, it's PR, right? The same thing, like you mentioned, that traditional PR effort, same impact that would have, it's just leveraging different digital platforms, social media, other people's websites, you know, even getting on someone else's podcast could be a form of digital PR from that perspective. And I think what we need to do is just help folks understand the difference between traditional PR and digital Mm -hmm. and really who is it for, you know, so specifically would you do, you know, digital PR for a small business, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a local business, or is it for a slightly bigger company? And if yes, where would we get published? You know, thoughts like that. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking, like, Let's make sure that folks understand the difference between digital and traditional and who is it for. Right. Yeah, I think sometimes PR, people think of it as like a almost like a crisis management. I would look at digital as, like I said, more of a branding exercise and extending your reach and your thought leadership through different digital channels. So that would probably be the difference between traditional or you know digital. Traditional could be more like boots on the ground, events, networking, those sorts of things, newspaper, right? And digital is obviously through digital mediums. So who's it for? You know, that's a good question. I mean, honestly, it should be for everyone, no matter what size of business you are. It's just a matter of, 
you know, how much can you afford? And afford meaning either your time or your money, right? Because PR obviously is notorious for being expensive without an immediate return. So it's always going to be a long-term investment and whatever you feel comfortable investing in the long-term, whether it's your personal brand, your business, combination of the two, if you own the business or, you know, senior leader at the business, I think it's important to do. So I think it's becoming more and more common for everybody, especially more on the a personal brand side. You even see, you know, sales leaders at technology companies building their personal brand over, you the know, company. promoting the company, right? Because that's, that's what we've always had in our world, right? Is your, all you have is your reputation, right? And so understanding how to use the internet and social media in order to get that out there and continue to build that, build that credibility, whatever you're selling, your product or service, you're only going to be more effective if people trust you. Right. And I think the thought leadership part is the long-term game Mm -hmm. because you can't be a thought leader overnight. Right. And that's what you're really building. Maybe help understand. Let's make sure everybody understands what's thought leadership versus the digital PR because we mix it together. Yeah. And again, those are two different concepts. So maybe you can talk about the long-term of how do you actually become a thought leader? Yeah. Trusted expert in a field. Right. Yeah. I think becoming a thought leader, it has to be genuine. I mean, it has to be real. And that's probably the biggest, you know, distinction, like you said, is people try to cheat the system and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself out there and, you know, I'm going to do branding and PR. And there's a difference between branding something and, you know, just promoting it out there versus truly being seen as a thought leader. And there's plenty of people, you know, in smaller circles and, you know, very, you know, tight or niche industries where, Someone might be a thought leader, but doesn't promote that at all digitally, which is fine. They've they've still, you know, attached that to their name that, you know, when you're talking about X, Y, or Z, you know, this person is the expert, right? Is the is the industry leader. But to do that, like you said, in the digital world, you have to truly kind of become a master of your craft, which always is going to continue to change. And you just have to get out there, get that published, get that write articles or get articles written about you on your behalf, do interviews get that out there on other people's websites so you can kind of take some of that traffic, take some of that awareness and leverage it to your advantage. So I think, again, like you said, it's it's not one article on Forbes is not going to position yourself as an industry leader. It's consistency and it's value. I think some of those articles, you know, you can't just go through the motions. You have to truly have a unique perspective on something and add value to whatever that audience is. And I think the the biggest part is that you can get on a reputable website if you don't have already built right. out of, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, it's like the, um, you know, the the entry-level resume where you have to have five years of experience. You right. have to have experience to get the experience. So, and folks think that it's easy or, you know, if I just do X, Y, Z, I think it's starting with the basics of just building your Twitter followers or creating content on a regular basis. That leads you to the next step is having people saying yes to your content on their website. Right. And that collection of website you pitch it to a bigger you know mm-hmm. magazine or content you know publisher and then they say yes at business.com i'm just making that up mm-hmm. but and then that leads you to something else so i think it's a baby step mm-hmm. almost in building up that thought leadership it's yeah. not an overnight thing it's, yeah, a, it's a, a marathon yeah that's a good point starting with your own blog your own website your own social profiles do your own podcast whatever that is and like we said have some sort of an idea of what value can I bring? And then you pitch that once you've kind of worked out some of those ideas. It's not just, you know, hey, I started selling this product or service 
three months ago. So I need to build my personal brand. I deserve to be on your website. You have to level up to that position where you actually know what you're talking about, can provide that value. Otherwise, it's not going to be genuine. There's always going to be opportunities for transactions to happen where you can buy yourself onto one of those publications or something along those lines. But like you said, few and far between, you're going to have a harder time making that happen organically unless you build that up, you build that credibility, and then you have more opportunities to get posted because you have more credibility. And one other thing too is that you have to have something to say before they're going to want you to say it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the thing you're saying. Like, what is your message? What is that you know message that you're going to convey to my audience? And does that resonate with our audience? And that's kind of what you do in regular pitching a blog post to a publisher, right? Mm-hmm. Or just any any blogger saying, hey, we'd like to publish XYZ article because we created a software for customer experience. Or we do this for help desk. Mm-hmm. Or we're a CRM company. And they'd say, yeah, I think that's relevant to my audience. Therefore, you can post on it. So I think knowing what it is that you want to be always conveyed as, because what you don't want to be is a thought leader of so many different things. Because mm-hmm. there are thought leaders in email marketing, and that's all they really know, or mm-hmm. if it's some other kind of con. You know what I mean? So, And I think that would help you define who you are and what you really you want to be an expert, like I'd say Gary Vee is a social media expert. Right. People say, hey, that's the guy that if you have a social media question to go to, they don't say financial advising. It's right. You're not an expert in so many things. So I guess figuring out what that is first, like you said, and aligning yourself with that in every form and shape, and then making sure that that voice is heard and you easily rank up in getting published in major publications if you just consistently say the same thing and you know what is it that you're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. How does this help with SEO? Because that's the part that a lot of times uh, it has multiple benefits. Mm-hmm. Because it's digital, it's crawlable by a search engine, yeah. and then it has links from high-authority domains, whether it's do follow or no follow. And I see this as a multi-dimension, like why wouldn't you want to do thought leadership? You Mm -hmm. gotta be crazy. If you can get in front of your audience by going to the best publications that are relevant to your industry and put out content on a regular basis and get benefit by hearing, right, seeing your content there as well as putting like putting on your LinkedIn page or company page and getting SEO benefits. That's the part I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't understand that this isn't a PR game so much as is a broader marketing. Mm-hmm. you know, exercise. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think you, ha- you have to look at it both ways. And I think your, your expectations should always be set for the long term. and say, okay, Hey, this is, we're going to get published in all these different publications. I want to build up my brand because I don't know what's going to happen in the long term, but if I build trust and credibility in my industry, I know I'm going to make more money. I'm going to, you know, grow my business. Right. So if that's the intention long term, then you look at how do you leverage these other pieces of content to, uh, benefit what we're trying to do in the short term. And that's where you mentioned something like digital PR when built around a larger search strategy or SEO strategy. Google does like to see, yes, of course, you're consistently getting published in industry relevant websites, publications, you're getting a good, healthy combination of do follow links and no follow links, getting healthy dis- distribution of the actual anchor text and what that says and where it's going. These are all things that Google's looking at, as well as the traffic coming from one site to the other site, right? So I think those are short-term benefits that if you align that with the content you're creating on your own website, with the keywords you're trying to rank for, with which pages you've prioritized that you believe are important, and you leverage all these other you know, different digital exposure pieces that you have out there, and you're getting those links back, and you're getting some of that traffic back to your website, 
and maybe even you might get some, you know, there's probably two ways, right? You could get an immediate customer coming from that, hey, I read your article, really liked what you had to say about X, Y, and Z. I'd love to see if we could do business together. And then you're also going to get somebody who's going to Google and searching for somebody who's never seen that article, but Google saw that article and put it either that or your website at the top of the rankings because you've leveraged this from search strategy and you can get that contact too. So those are the short-term benefits for sure. And you need, I mean, like you said, you'd be foolish not to incorporate that because you're already doing it. Let's see if we can get three or four different uses and benefits out of this one content piece. But the long-term strategy should always be building your personal and business brand. Right. And and that's what, you know, I'm gravitated towards is to be having a short-term strategy so you have something to share on your social media rather than content that you just found that's industry relevant. Why not produce your own content? You post it somewhere and share that because, again, your voice is now being heard, right? Like mm-hmm. I said, and it's not easy. And I think I want to talk a little bit about the process because we have an entire team that's working on pitching and getting it. And it takes months to get something published. And I think I don't want to set the wrong expectation that it's like super quick, easy, mm-hmm. send an email and automatically, magically, you just appear on a website. Right. Let's talk about that. So folks have a real good understanding of how to go do this on their own mm-hmm. if they're interested in doing it and where they need to start and what it takes to do it. And like I said, I think... Uh, We've been around doing this for long enough that I think we could simplify the process so they can fail less and see success faster. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone. All right, businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening. And let's get back to our topic for the day. Yeah, I mean, I think with anything, there's levels to what we call digital PR, right? And so the end goal of what we're talking about of, you know, the highest level of publication in whatever your industry is, you know, if we're in the business or finance space, we'll say Forbes or, you know, something like that, right? So like you said, can you send an email to Forbes and say, hey, I'm Joe Schmo, and I have this idea about, you know, how to grow your business and investing in this and that, probably not going to have a very good chance that that's going to get published, Right. So I think you have to start smaller. And as you mentioned, start with your own social profile, start posting on your own website, start with smaller other websites who are in similar situations that you're at now, right? So find another website that's getting similar traffic. It's in a similar space, maybe not a direct competitor and do your homework, do your research and look at what else they're creating content about. Look at where they're getting traffic from and say, hey, and I really think I have this valuable piece of content that I could leverage you know, you're, here's how you could benefit because I'm going to provide value for your readers 
your website visitors about this topic where maybe there's a gap in what you offer and what we can offer, right? So it's not easy. Like you said, it's it's manual work. And that's historically what PR has been is a lot of effort to make something happen that doesn't see an immediate return. So you just have to use different dual, digital tools and technologies to kind of research where there's opportunities for you to get exposure and take advantage of every single one, no matter how small it may be. And it's also building that relationship because you're mm-hmm. going to need that person, that editor again. Yep. If yeah. You if you find yeah, like bridge. a middleman or someone <laughs> like that who is, you know, has either multiple websites or, like you said, is a higher profile website where they're the one that is kind of the gatekeeper. It's just like anything in life. I mean, that's you have to build that relationship. And you know, I don't want to say see how you can leverage that, but you got to provide value. It's a give and take, right? Yeah, and it's more about relationship in that because you're not. This is not your property. You're going to need to come across as someone who's credible, professional, mm-hmm. who's timely, because you're doing their job by creating content for them. But they also don't want to put up with you know nonsense either. Yeah. So they're very reluctant. On, that's why they say no more than yes, because they just don't want to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. They'd rather just publish their own in-house content and be done with it. So when you want to get a yes, you're going to have to be very, very much like, hey, what can I do to make your job easier? Here are the edits. I had to go through rounds and rounds of edits so many times just to get something published. It's, it's, it's like I've spent more time and energy on this than right. what it might be worth. Right. But the fact of the matter is you've made a commitment. You got to follow it, right? right. So, so the other option would be, you know, obviously hiring an agency or a partner. Like I said, it's either time or money. So if you can afford to leverage somebody that you don't have to, you know, fail on the job, right. And kind of pay somebody to, to figure it out. You go to somebody who has a more polished process like ourselves. So you want to talk about what does this look like at scale to reach out to people within an industry? And like you said, pitch content, is it all manual? Is it automated? Is it based on relationships? Is it purchasing, you know, links or publications, influencer marketing, affiliate? What does this look like for, you know, a business who's leveraging an agency like ourselves? Yeah. So basically the process that we follow is we have a, a half a dozen people. All they do is they pitch to industry relevant websites, depending on the industry that our clients are in. So if they're in packaging, they're pitching into a, a certain sites that are highly, highly, you know, relevant to that industry. And that's where the folks are going to be on top of the industry. For us, it, you know, it's kind of like, you know, any of the search websites that we follow, right? Mm-hmm. So long story short, we build that list, we build in the relationship, and we're sort of building the bridge between the client and the website. We're just in the middle saying, hey, we're XYZ company and been around for this long. We create this YZ product, but we have an amazing idea of a content piece that's groundbreaking it's the latest innovation mm-hmm. would you like us to cover it and oftentimes you may have to produce the content for them to believe that you have such right. an idea because not a pitch is you know just a headline may not work so you're creating an abstract mm-hmm. and sending multiple abstracts because they might not like the first one maybe they like the second if not a third so three abstracts mm-hmm. at scale to every single one of them on every month and you get one yes right after a hundred attempts Because guess what? A lot of other people are also sending abstracts at the same time. But we've defined how long it doesn't need to be, what is eye-catching, what's interesting, and how would they like to be communicated. And we've done it before. We know exactly what it's going to take to say yes. And then we create an amazing piece of content that they will not tear up, right? Uh Because this is low quality or whatever. I did a proofread everything. And then you submit that 
and then you follow up and find out what's the progress and right. how can it actually get published. Right. 60 to 90 days later, <laughs> there goes an article. Right. It yeah. depends on the site. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like a sales job from that perspective Absolutely. When, you, when you think about it. And then you also have to look at all the work that goes into just get ready to be at that point, like you kind of alluded to earlier. Is, let's say you, you're on the other end and you get this email that says, hey, you know, Solomon has this great idea that he wants to pitch and he wants to be on your website. I'm going to go and see like who's Solomon, right? I want right. to look at who else has he been published? What does his website look like? Does he own a business? What does that business do? Oh, he has multiple businesses. Let me look at his LinkedIn. Let me look at his you know followers on Facebook. Like They're going to look at all these other things. So it's not just the relationships of knowing who to reach out to. It's not just the messaging of how to reach out, knowing the process, working with the editors, having the ability and the resources to do this at scale. It's setting the groundwork to prove to them that, you know, you actually do have something of value to bring to them and that you are a legitimate thought leader or at least trending in that direction. One thing that, you know, it's, it's amazing to me is that you also, like I said, you have to be working really hard on that brand part or mm-hmm. else you're bound to get no more often, right? And so typically I recommend the CEO of the company to be the one that we use to pitch. Mm-hmm. The, the chances of getting a yes is a lot higher. Another thing that a lot of people don't understand is that this is not a pitch content. You never talk about yourself. This is 100% educational content, which is another reason most people get declined in getting anything published because you turn it into a piece a sales of content. Pitch, yeah. yeah, exactly. Here's what we do. And we're so good at XYZ. Nobody wants to hear yeah. that. Or bashing the competition <laughs> or yeah. yeah. It has to be 100% educational and that's it. Mm-hmm. Using personal stories. Talk about how you change something or what you've learned from it and what can you do? What is your right sort mm-hmm. of take on a, a, a whatever the topic might be and how you've overcome a certain challenge and sharing that story is what people want to read. Mm-hmm. Not, hey, you know, if you're XYZ, do this and here are three tips. But again, there's a, a place for every one of them. But the more deeper you can get into something and making sure that it's easy to read and easy, easy to understand and you covered it a topic that hasn't been covered before to death in that same website, the chance of you getting it. And, and like I said, there's more no's that you're going to get yes, but you can get more yeses if you can create value, educational right. content, and not so much a pitch. And you might not even get a link. Yeah. <laughs> and you still want to be doing that. Like I yeah. said, you know, would I do this if I wasn't getting paid? Like, yes, if the answer is yes, you truly want to do it because you're passionate about it. That's the question that you want to ask. And that's where you come to the long-term branding. Believe it or not, Google can still see the brand even if there's no link to it. And I love that about Google. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people say, well, if there's no link, I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree more. And like you said, the reality is Google has their analytics code on just about every website. So whether it's a direct correlation or not, I mean, they can see what website you go to after the one website you were at and how many right. people are doing that and what the trends are and yeah, I mean, there's so much user behavior that they they have out there. And like you said, I mean, I think one of the big issues that people have with PR, personal branding, digital PR, whatever that may be, however you want to frame it, is that, like we said, it's a long-term play. So it's just kind of an understanding of how do I invest into this? How much time do I spend into this? When should I start reaping some benefit, right? Because if you look at it and say, okay, I'm starting to get a little bit of traction. Now let me see how I can monetize this audience as quickly as possible. I just still think that's so short-sighted. And I think you have to look at 
figure out if you're the owner of the business or your CEO or your top leadership, whatever it is, you're in a perfect position to say, okay, we're already making money on what we're doing now. And I'm going to look at this as my five-year strategy or 10-year strategy. And I'm not going to look to monetize this audience at all. I'm going to value, 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 value. Of course, let people know what you do because that's what you're talking about all the time is why you're a leader in the industry that you're in. And you're going to get some benefit of that. But it's all just building that brand up and building yourself as a thought leader and your organization as the the leader. There's ways that to monetize that that don't even exist today that are going to exist five years from now, right? When we talk about podcasting, for example, people would have said, okay, you're just going to sit there and talk into you know, a recording device and then put that on the internet. How are you going to make money off that? Who's going to listen to that? And it's just the dynamic has shifted so much that everything has always been about your reputation and your brand. And if there's ways that you can get that out there through as many platforms as you can, don't look at monetizing that in the short term. Look at the ancillary ways that you can do that, like building up your SEO traffic and building, driving more traffic uh, from referral traffic to cookie those people, retarget to those people. Of course, get customers where you can, but don't focus so much on let's do a sprint and then see how we can monetize off those five people who read this article. That's not the point. I think you're still missing the point if that's the way you're thinking about it. And if you can make sure that you can sustain your budget for the long haul and invest more and more and more, eventually you become a thought leader by not knowing that you became a thought leader right. because you just kept doing this over and over. Yeah, And it and that takes might a be, lot yeah, of time. I think that might be the most important thing is, like we said at the very beginning, it has to be genuine, it has Correct. to be real, and it has to be valuable. So it's almost like you know, if you go in with the intention of, I want to become a thought leader and I want to be the best at this and you know, I'm going to prove to people that I'm the best at this, then you're not doing it right. right. If it's just, hey, I want to, I, you know, I have a lot to bring to the table and provide some value, provide some value here, provide some value there, then look at other ways to leverage it. Great. But you're not so, you know, money hungry about every little I'm opportunity. Gonna, yeah, exactly. One thing, though, is that every, I would say, like you said, leadership, CEO, business owner, whoever is at the top should be thinking about thought leadership and personal branding. I think we should have a whole episode about personal yeah. branding that. It's like no longer the world that we live in where people don't look you up and find out if, like I said, if there was an opportunity to work with two companies of similar right mm-hmm. uh, sizes, they might look at what's different about X company. And it's the fact that you're well, you know, you're out there and you're featured in all these right. websites is an actual decision. Like right. they would make a decision out for that. Well, it's because same, one's giving a lot more to the yeah. to the industry than the other. Yeah, it's the same reason you put. You know, your clients' names on the website, the reason you put together case studies, all those sorts of things. It's you want to build that credibility. Yeah. How do we, um, you know, how do we summarize sort of thought leadership and digital PR and what they ought to be doing and thinking so that, you know, we could give some realistic steps and helpful, you know, Mm -hmm. points on how they can get started? Yeah. For, you know, I think one of the issues, like we said, is that it's so, there's so much overlap between what is, just general marketing efforts, what is responsibility of digital PR, what is SEO, it's so intertwined, right? And we've seen, we've made a few of these podcasts already, and there's a common theme that we're talking about, just continuing to create value, be genuine, all these sorts of things, right? And look at the long term while looking at having some short-term KPIs and goals in the meantime. So I think looking at that and looking at PR as definitely a long-term strategy have some more short-term strategies of how do we go about customer acquisition, sales, those sorts of things. How do we support our sales team? I don't think digital PR is an immediate way to do any of that, aside from 
it's marketing collateral and sales collateral that you could say, hey, our CEO was just published in this publication, something like that. But that shouldn't be the goal. That the reason you should you should go about creating, you know, getting posted on a relevant publication isn't so you can send it out to your salespeople or send it out in an email blast, right? So I think in terms of immediate next step, like you said, for businesses, research who are the industry leaders, right? Is there anyone else in your industry or a close industry that's even doing anything remotely to this? And just research on them. I mean, the the whole point of them doing that is they're going to have that information out there. They're going to share that on their social profiles. They're going to, you know, send that out to their email. It's going to be on their website. So kind of reverse engineer who's doing it successfully and then reimagine that for you and kind of say, okay, what does this mean to me? If I'm going to become the industry leader, what publications would I get listed in? If I were to go to, you know, the industry leading event and be a, a speaker what would I talk about that would be valuable to that audience? All those sorts of things, right? So doing some research and testing it out. I think reach out to them, write an email, fill out the contact form, try to get on someone else's podcast, tweet at people, you know, respond in comments, all those sorts of things, leverage other people's audience and just start getting your ideas out there and seeing what people are responding to. Absolutely. Great way to uh, wrap up that, that episode. Thank you again, Taylor. And again, I think it's about building trust and a brand over time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, ask us questions. Our email is growthmarketers at oneims.com. I'd love to answer any question you might have. And we'll see you on the next episode. 